Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another soul-searching episode of our podcast. I'm Cynthia, your guide through the world of therapy. And I'm Madeline, your coach and partner on this journey toward authenticity. In today's episode, we're diving deep into a topic that's dear to our hearts. We're talking about how to have meaningful, being-focused conversations with people we love and how to love authentically, particularly with those who are just starting to unravel the mystery of their authentic selves. It is a journey, isn't it? I mean, finding our authentic selves and also supporting loved ones as they navigate their own paths is not something that happens overnight. It requires patience, empathy, and a whole lot of love. And let's be real, it can be tough, especially when we're trying to communicate and connect on a deeper level with those who might not yet be aware of their own process of self-discovery. And that's why we're here today, folks. We're going to explore strategies, share personal experiences, and even present some tools that can help you cultivate these authentic connections and conversations. Ah, I can't wait. So whether you are sitting comfortably at home, driving your car, or out on a peaceful walk, we hope that this episode helps you bring more authenticity into your conversations and relationships. Let's get started, shall we? One of the things that I love most about my clients are that they are incredibly self-aware people or that they prioritize self-awareness. And one of the things about self-awareness is that it can be really lonely. So I find that after a few sessions with my clients, we end up talking about their relationships because they're becoming more and more aware of themselves and the people in their lives are left behind. They're realizing they're not really on the same page as a lot of people that they love and care about because they've grown while everything else has stayed the same. Is this something that you see with your clients? Absolutely. One of the things that you talk about, I I think it's a kind of an epidemic now, is I think people are just overall feeling really lonely. And some of it is because in their quest to really form their identities and their true self or authentic self, they're really diving deeply. That's why they're working with us. They're they're trying to understand themselves so that perhaps they can understand others. But what happens when you go on this journey all by yourself? It's not as fun, right? You feel like your train's leaving the platform and all of the people, significant people in your life life are still on the platform and you're like, get on board, get on board, get on board. I love this metaphor. It actually came up in my own coaching with my coach where I was having a very similar discussion about stuff with my husband where I was like, I feel like I'm on this bus and there's always that one stop that's right before a really long stop where you know the other person's not going to catch up. And I'm like, just trying to get him on the bus before I get to that stop. And, And this is the thing, right? What my coach challenged me about and where I see a lot of truth is that we have a choice. I can sit on that bus and our clients can sit on whatever mode of transportation and feel really sad and isolated and desperate to get these people on board. And there's another choice. Keep working on that invitation. Keep inviting people in a way where they want to come on board for themselves and they want to come on board for you. So I think often when we get caught up in being on the on a different page in this growth journey, we we want for other people so much to discover these things for themselves. And so we were thinking when we were preparing for this podcast that it might be really helpful to provide some conversation and tools around how to have more self-aware conversations 
around being and around values and around the juiciness of life with the people that we care about so they can get on that train and they can come on that bus and that we can all move forward in growth together. One of the first places to start is living in authenticity for ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean that we're done growing, right? Or we're done learning, but it is just being really intentional and considerate about the communication in our relationships. For example, am I communicating in an authentic way that resonates my values and my strengths and who I want to be. That is really important for us to be really firm in what it means to be our authentic self. Yeah. Right. And I love that you brought up this idea of authentic communication because not many people actually slow down to ask themselves, is this how I want to be communicating with others or is this just how I feel I should be communicating with others? And so I think when we're reflecting on communication, we invite in the opportunity to think about what are some hidden beliefs in how I communicate? What are some cultural norms in how I communicate? And really asking, in addition to all of this growth we're doing as a person, am I able to communicate those things within the context and frameworks that I'm currently using and how I relate to other people? So I love that the first step is just being aware of your own communication practices not just about what you're communicating. The other thing that is really important is to come from a place, especially when we're feeling like the other people try as we may to invite them on our train or our bus, they're just not getting on. Mm. So to stay in a place that reminding ourselves that we really care about these people, that we're going to choose to love these people. (laughs) We're going to choose to like these people and remember that they're not trying to be difficult. They just might not know how to accept the invitation, but I'm going to come from a place of tolerance. I'm going to come from a place of love. And I think this brings mm-hmm. up the the huge category of assumptions, which is I'll never forget when I had uh, a conversation with one of my clients where she was talking about all these amazing things she was sharing with her friend. And her friend was just like, I don't really care. I don't really care about self-awareness. I don't really care. And she was mm. like, what? What do you mean you don't care? This is the coolest stuff on the face of the earth. This just goes to show, I mean, that's a good assumption, right? If you assume that self-awareness is important to you, you assume it's important to everybody else. It's not Mm. even that you're making a, a bad judgment or a bad assumption about that person. But it floored her just the same when this person was like, what's important to you is not important to me. You talk about coming from a place of curiosity and compassion toward others and tolerance. Because I think one of the things we have to remember is some empathy for Mm -hmm. where we were before we came to this place of self-discovery. And also knowing that these conversations are hard to come by. I literally have a therapist for a mom, but we didn't have tons of these conversations fluidly growing up. I remember most of the conversations happening when you were going through the process of education for yourself in your 40s. Oh, absolutely. One of the things why we are so passionate, right, about this whole know me experience, about starting those conversations earlier about the being, the strengths and the values and things like that, so that you don't have to wait till you're in your 40s. If you think about all of our relationships, most of our relationships are built around longevity. Mm. Like I've known so and Lulabelle since I was in kindergarten. 
and we both like to draw mm-hmm. and we both like to play dress up and we both like to eat chocolate ice cream or whatever it was. It was all about interests and activities and things like that. When we pivot into a self-awareness or identity or values and strengths, we sometimes do leave people behind. They served a valuable place in our hearts and our in our lives, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come along for the rest of the journey. But some do. Some, like you were saying, are just, they like the invitation, but it's going to take them a little while longer. And I think this brings to how can we start to introduce the types of conversations we want to have So that we can figure out which people are going to come along with us for the journey and which ones are going to get off at this station. I have two quick things. One is slowing down the pace of our conversations. Everything is so action oriented because our lives are action oriented. We want to get to the next thing quickly and we don't want to waste our time digging into why things matter to people. So that's number one. The second thing is really simple, and it comes from what we do as a coach and a therapist, which is naming it. That's In coaching, it's called naming it, which is that a lot of times people are talking about their doings of life, and they are blowing through things, and they are talking at basically the extreme pace that I'm talking at now. And They are just not aware of what's between the lines. And so one of the amazing things we can do is rather than just throwing out these questions at people who don't have the answers of like, why is that important to you? And what are your values? And what are your strengths? Is we can listen to what they're already telling us, go in with curiosity and name things, right? So if someone comes and tells you all about this beautiful bookshop that they went to when they were on vacation and It was an independent bookshop, and so they had curated a really beautiful list of things. And they even had a stack of 10 books that people were reading locally, which was really cool for you to engage in. You might say back to that person, oh, it sounds like there was a real sense of community there, and that was important to you, and that you were able to be curious in that space, and uh, you were able to learn from others and grow in your tastes about reading. Do you hear all of the being that's in that story of something someone did? There's so much richness in what people are already telling us. And so the onus can be on us to be a mirror to these people and to name things that they might not otherwise have language to articulate so that they can feel they can start communicating in that way too. I love that skill. I love that mirroring because one of the things that helps us continue communication going is not landing in judgment, Mm -hmm. but remaining curious. So when we're mirroring back, when we're listening to someone else, we can remain curious with more questions. And the mirroring technique is a wonderful technique. And they get a snapshot of how you think and how you process. So it's a reciprocal kind of communication that's going back and forth from a place of curiosity, Mm. not of judgment, which tends to really halt conversations. Language itself comes across differently to different people. It means different things to different people. One of my clients Mm -hmm. that tells me that generosity is important to them might have a completely different definition of generosity from another client who says the exact same thing, which is why one of the very first uh, values exercises that we can do with clients is in word stringing where we say, okay, generous, tell me about generous. And then someone will tell you it means this and this. And you write down those words. Then you can read back those words to that person and say, which thing fits best to what you were saying? Because even if we started at generous, 
what we might have meant was like self-compassion or empathy because generosity was more directed to self than to others for that person. So I think this is where obviously we have to use our number one skill, which is just curiosity and patience, mm -hmm. right? Making mm -hmm. the conversation about the other person rather than making it all about your response, because we can respond in a way that digs deeper for the other person by being that mirror. And I think that's what makes really powerful growth conversations is when we're there as a facilitator of the person's growth rather than just as an advice giver or a responder or a problem solver. Um, there's this other role we get to choose to take on when we want to have these conversations with people. And the other thing that partners really well with curiosity is this statement, help me understand. It promotes curiosity, but it also promotes that I'm realizing that we might not have the same definitions of things. Mm. And then when we're talking about relation with other people, we can give them that tool as well to say, if I say something that makes you feel ick, please raise your hand and let me know, because it might just be that there's a misunderstanding mm -hmm. around what my intention was in what I said. One of the things we have to realize is that there's a lot of bravery that's required from both ends when we have these kinds of being conversations. Bravery for breaking the status quo and for inviting people into a space that they're usually not invited into by talking about things like values and strengths and purpose and the bigger picture in life beyond just doing and achievement. And bravery on the receiver's end for staying in the discomfort of talking about things that they might not know the answers to. Because I remember the first time someone said, what are your values? I wouldn't know the answer. I don't like not knowing the answers, especially in a doing-oriented world where my self-worth feels like it's measured on what I can do and what I know, that is a no-go. It's very uncomfortable. Mm. And so there's bravery mm. and persistence required in not only bringing these conversations to the table, but in creating a space where people can feel like they can engage in the unknown and push through to that meaningful place because we're being empathetic and because we're being patient and because we're being compassionate toward them. It invites us to deepen the relationships. The word genuine connection and emotional intimacy and vulnerability, they are deeper layers. When I met my husband, Patrick, I met him at a time where my mom, who passed away, she had 14 years fight with Alzheimer's. He and I were starting a relationship at the very end of her life. And so we were having some really difficult conversations right off of the get-go about valuing things like family, valuing things like honesty and, and allocation of time and energy and things like that. And so when my mom finally did pass, I was organizing her funeral with my dad. And I have three brothers, and we were talking about who was going to be part of bringing the castle get down. And my brothers, without missing a beat, and they didn't know Patrick very well, they were like, oh, Patrick will definitely be one of the pallbearers. And I remember thinking, yes, because he was able to connect and we were able to connect, all of us, in a much deeper, genuine way. So sometimes we bump into knowing about a person, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in, in some of the saddest times or the most frightening times. So it's how to do it 
hopefully without bumping into those things, so that when we do bump into those things, we have a running start. What I love about this example, and I really appreciate your sharing this personal example, is that it showed how an external situation-inspired vulnerability within the relationship. And there's another side to this coin, which is when internal chaos within our relationship with someone can inspire Mm. vulnerability with ourselves and exploration of ourselves. Sometimes as we're getting to know ourselves, we realize how little other people know about us, that we've been engaging with people through the perspective of a role or that we may have settled into a role and that Mm. The conversations we're having get to be uh, dissatisfying or depleting uh, and not energizing because we've detached from our sense of self. The other person Mm -hmm. has detached from their sense of self. And therefore, we're not bringing our real authentic selves to the relationship. And this is where I also watch a lot of people uh, have breakdowns is when one person enters a coaching or therapy relationship. And they start reaffirming and rediscovering pieces of themselves that they've left behind. And then they go back into their system with their spouse or their partner. And they're like, oh, my God, things are dire. And it feels really rocky because this person who sees you every day, who's supposed to intimately know you, you realize Mm -hmm. doesn't know you very much or Mm -hmm. isn't engaging with the person that they may know. And I had this Mm -hmm. moment with my husband around Christmas of last year where I said, we really need to talk to each other like we always hold the truth to be our core selves. So even if I know you're speaking to me out of frustration or sadness, I know that you are not your emotions. I know who you are at your core, and I love that person. And so I'm always talking to that core person, even if the thing that's talking back to me is the emotion. And I want you to do the same for me. I know I don't always show up as my perfect core authentic self, but I need to Mm -hmm. know in my heart of hearts and in my rational mind that even if I'm showing up as something that you're always talking to my core. And in that way, I know that even when there's a messy argument on the surface or a difference of opinion or any of this, that we are holding space for each other as authentic human beings. Going in with really pure empathy, reminding yourself of how horrible it feels to be detached from our authentic selves and how even a person who isn't aware of themselves still feels that pain, right? It feels like our lives are out of control. It feels like things are moving too fast sometimes or that everything is dull and unsparkly and that life just is a little gray. And that's not a great place to be in. So if someone is speaking to you from a place of detachment from their core self or authenticity, it's usually not a conscious choice. It's because they don't know a way out, which is why by being patient and by having these types of conversations with people, despite how scary or uncomfortable or what have you it's going to be, inviting in that vulnerability, inviting them into the conversation toward authentic self, it's just It's the ultimate kindness. It's the ultimate gift that we can give someone else. When we're authentic, we show love for ourselves and that we believe that we're enough. When we're detached, we don't have those beliefs. We don't have the belief of really liking ourselves, never mind loving ourselves. And we don't believe that we're enough. If we can't love ourselves and know why we love ourselves, how the heck are we going to have anyone else in our world love us. Yeah. We have to role model how to love us. And if we're role modeling how to love us, then we're loving us. These are some of the best questions we can start with. Not even big Mm -hmm. holding mirror up things, just asking someone, how do you like to be loved? 
When are you the most mm-hmm. energized in the day? Mm-hmm. Like literally being a journaling prompt mm-hmm. generator in conversations, just mm-hmm. being curious about what someone does already know about themselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be easier to enter in conversations, reflection conversations from a place of doing, right? So saying mm-hmm. what makes you feel productive or what gives mm-hmm. you energy and then continuing mm-hmm. to be curious and ask more questions. I think the reality mm-hmm. is that one of the bottom line tools I can give for how to have better be in conversations with people is that you're not going to do much beyond reflecting and asking questions. Lack Mm -hmm. of self-awareness often comes from not being asked very much about ourselves. I know there are some people in my life where I had a conversation with someone the other day and she asked how I was doing and I said stressed and she said, what are you stressed about? And I was like, I don't even know how to answer that question. If you don't know the answer to that question, you haven't been on the same planet as me for like months. It means that you haven't asked me about me for months if you have no concept Mm -hmm. of why I might be stressed. And it's because that's true. We don't, we usually just say, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Done. Over. No more conversation. No, absolutely. The other thing is we can have fun with this, right? My whole thing's about humor. But there's, there's some really cool games or connection cards or the what if game, what if or would you rather. Mm-hmm. That was always a fun game where you can start introducing some of these conversations into your relationships. Because I've had clients and when I do couples counseling, they'll say, or even parents will say, oh, my kids never, I never can get them to tell me anything, right? They're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what, what, what kind? of things are you asking them? How was your day? Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Straight answer. How about if you said to them, hey, what's one thing today that made you really excited Mm. or really proud or really frustrated? Our brains don't tend to dig deeper than they need to. They're lazy. We love patterns. We love routines. We love settling into things because our brains love it. They try and do as little work as possible, which means that we constantly have to prod. And I love this notion of having fun with it because it really can be fun, especially if you Mm -hmm. have kids and you want your kids to grow up with these skills and to get even earlier experience. Engage it in a daily conversation. I know not there's not a lot of sitting around the table at the end of the day. But even in your family group chat, you can have a a prompt every day that you all answer and take very seriously. And it could even be visual. Send a picture of something that made you smile today. It doesn't have to be articulated always in in language. Or even when you're going to that social engagement and you haven't seen people in a while and you just say to them, hey, haven't seen you in a while. What have been some experiences that you've had since the last time we talked to each other? that have really made your heart sing. Yeah. If you haven't seen someone for a while, the inclination is always to tell people how wonderfully things are going and how your life is perfect and how everyone is great. But if we give space to say, yeah, tell me what's been going really well for you. Tell me what you're proud of. Tell me what you've been doing that has really made your heart sing. It airs it in a way that you signal to the other person, like, I see you as someone capable of success, essentially. So now let's talk about what's not going so great. And this is also what facilitators of team coaching do, right? They start with what's going well, and then they go to and what's not working so well. And we can do this in our conversations. We can big other people up and then encourage them to just step a little more toward vulnerability with us because we see the whole person in front of us. It's just 
being aware, knowing where your sort of vulnerability meter is and leaning into it. And then if we are role modeling, leaning into maybe uncomfortable, other people might not find it as scary. Even if I'm only going to have a meaningful conversation with you once a year, it's going to be meaningful. Mm. So just imagine the richness in our more regular relationships. And this circles us right back to how we communicate. So what you're saying is that the way you show up invites in vulnerability and meaningful conversation. And so it doesn't matter if that's not where we're starting now, but if that's where we want to be, every single time we have a conversation, we can, there's always an invitation to show up the way you want to and try again and try again the next time and eventually become second nature. That's just the learning process. So I'm glad that we came full circle here. And mom, would you like to end us with a quote? I would. It's by Carl Gustav Jung. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding about ourselves. I like that quote. Yeah, I do too. Speaking of being aware of ourselves, we have something super exciting to share, which is our Nomi Fundamentals. You may have seen some rumblings about this, but mom, can you tell us a little bit about what are the Nomi Fundamentals? The Nomi Fundamentals is a six session program that is centered around the key to inner knowing through our strengths and values and the roles we play and self-love and acceptance and all of the fun things that we talk about here on the Nomi podcast. It is a great place for people to become more self-aware and centered in a fulfilling life. Yeah. So if you don't want to do all the work of helping others become self-aware, you just send them our way and we'll do the work and then we'll hand them back to you fully aware of their authentic self. There we go. It's a really exciting program. The first, everything is live, even though it's remote. The first four weeks are planned. Those ones are in consecutive weeks and those are hosted with me and Cynthia or mom. And then you get to pick two sessions that you want. So we have amazing practitioners with us doing power of intuition, how to train your intuition, aligning your life. So taking all this inner knowing and authentic self and actually being able to carry it into action plans that exist in the world. We have one about self-care and we have a one about mindfulness and how to turn really bad days into things that we can settle into. You can go to nomi.coach forward slash fundamentals or check the show notes for the link. We have limited spaces available for July, but we have a few more cohorts that we're also running. So check that out if you're interested. And we'll be really excited to talk to you and to meet you and to engage with you further. Absolutely. We hope that this helps you to have really great conversations with the people around you. We always have a good time when you're here. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.